You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Bottoms, which came out in 2023. It was directed by Emma Seligman. It stars Rachel Sennett, Io Edebiri, Ruby Cruz, Havana Rose Liu, Kaya Gerber, Nicholas Galitzin, Miles Fowler, and Marshawn Lynch. The genre would be raunchy teen comedy. Warning, three out of four people who have watched this film have turned gay. Oh wait, I'm gay. I'm not, I just like gay porn. I can't believe they're letting you guys start a fight club. You can beat the shit out of each other while you perform the vagina monologues. Let's do this. Punching each other makes girls weirdly horny. You can be our club advisor. You don't even come to the dang club. No. That's my favorite way to be an ally. Say, I support women. You don't. Don't come. Yeah. My mom did say I need to pick up a hobby. Move, you prick! She said move, prick. Don't talk to me, you ugly bitch, okay? I do not talk to girls in overalls. Okay, I might be ugly, but these aren't overalls. Ready? Go. Y'all were two of my top students, I think. Oh, no, that was two other students. Let's get revenge. How old are you? I put whiskey in that. I really value when people use violence for me. It's actually one of my love languages. If there was ever any doubt as to whether director Emma Seligman and co-writer Rachel Sennett were actually going for realism in this raunchy, raucous teen comedy, well, that's pretty much dispensed within the first five minutes. Off the bat, we hear our co-leads, Sennett and Edebiri, routinely referred to as ugly? Sure. The sort of villain all-star quarterback Jeff, played by Nicholas Galitzin, is always in full uniform, even during normal classes. And their favorite teacher, Mr. G, played by Marshawn Lynch, very funny, is casually brushing through a porn magazine at his desk with a naked ass on the cover. <laughs> oh, and there's another member of the football team who can be briefly spotted towards the back of the classroom, standing proudly shirtless in a cage. <laughs> the movie shares a lot of DNA with the likes of Booksmart, Superbad, and the recent underrated female teen sex romp, Blockers. But where it veers quite a bit is into the realm of pure satire. And the good news is that, like those other films, it is also very funny. Excuse me. Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? Guess that's you guys. Hello, Principal Myers. First of all, I want to say God bless you. Shut up. You know why you're here. I don't, actually. For committing a crime against Jeff, our quarterback, and the most good-looking, all-American, red-blooded, muscular man this town has ever seen. The overall batting percentage isn't quite as high as those movies, well, maybe on par with blockers. A decent percentage of gags elicit more of a smile than an uproarious laugh. But whereas sometimes lacking in on-the-mark laughs, it more than makes up for it with sheer energy. If it's not happening here, then it's definitely not happening at Emerson, okay? I'm done trying to sew my damn oats. No. I'm packing up my vagina, and I'm fucking mad you. That's the only hope for me. No. It's man Mathieu, man. And because he's gay and fearless, he's probably going to fuck me without protection. Then I'm going to get pregnant. We're going to have to join a church. He'll be the gay pastor. My whole life's fucked. By the way, our son, Hezekiah, hates us because he knows we're both closeted. We try to make it work for him, but he's not happy. And yeah, guess what? The deacon's 
fucking the evangelist, man. He's fucking the evangelist. I don't want to live like that. Will you come and visit us on Sundays? Please, will you come and visit us on Sunday? Every shot seems to contain some sort of visual gag, and most of the performers are sheerly going for it. Not least of all, Rachel Sennett as the perpetually horny PJ, who is on a single-minded mission with her fellow virgin lesbian best friend Josie, played by Etta Beery, to get some action, with two seemingly straight cheerleaders whom they are completely smitten with. The cheerleaders, Isabel and Brittany, are played winningly and with surprising depth by Havana Rose Lou and Kaya Gerber, respectively. What kicks off the overall plot is a new scheme by our heroines to draw in their objects of affection by starting a female fight club with other girls in school. Kind of a club geared towards teaching self-defense, but it really just serves as an excuse for the likes of PJ to get close to the classmates she lusts after, and for friends of theirs like Hazel, played by Ruby Cruz, who steals many of her scenes to release her pent-up aggressions. I can't believe they're letting you guys start a fight club. No, they're they're not. We are not. What are you talking about? We're going to do it. We're doing it. PJ, I wasn't being serious. Josie, did you see the way that Isabel and Brittany were looking at us? Ugh. Also, you heard the announcements. Girls are terrified. It's perfect. They need this. Okay, no. They need, like, mace, maybe. We can't do that, okay? We'd be misleading them. Guys do that all the time, okay? That's the point of feminism. That's not the point of feminism. You also don't care about feminism. Your favorite show is Entourage. Listen to me. We teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves against the evil Huntington killers. They are grateful to us. We build a community. We bond. We share. We connect. We're punching each other. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouse. The fight club becomes increasingly popular. Our two protagonists earn respect while making some headway with the cheerleaders. Some on the football team start to feel threatened. And chaos and hilarity ensues. Top to proverbial bottom, the whole cast genuinely shines. And for the most part, they are somewhat relatable as we are generally rooting for them. But not going to lie here, the level of violence that we see their fight club involved in gets somewhat ratcheted up in the third act to absurd levels, which might put off some folks. And I wouldn't completely blame them as the movie walks a fine line into almost Heather's territory at points. I love my dead gay son. It all just depends on how much you are on board with the satirical aspects of this story. Now, for me, I was generally on board. Like I said, not every gag had me laughing out loud, though I was still taken with the sheer audacity of it. All of this is filmed with gobs of energy by Seligman, and the movie never drags, topping out at a lean 90 minutes with a strong assist from editor Hannah Park, whom she also collaborated with on Shiva Baby. That's what y'all was trying to do. I would have just gave you some game on some ism on how to get some of that put. I just don't know if you're supposed to be talking to us like that, just like as a teacher. Man, I knew women were evil. This brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. One aspect that helps this movie maintain such raucous energy for its entire runtime is a boisterous electronic score from two unique music talents from opposite sides of the pond, meaning one of them is British and the other is American. On the British end, and also occasionally contributing vocals to the score, is Cambridge's own Charlotte Emma Aitchison otherwise known as Charlie XCX, who is a singer-songwriter. Over the past 10 years, she has not only made a name for herself as a solo dance pop artist, but has also even more prominently co-written and performed some hugely popular dance hits with other artists, including the 2014 smash hit Fancy with Iggy Azalea, and also one of my personal favorites, the 2012 dance anthem I Love It with Iconopop. 
I really do love that song. Well, she brings that brash, anarchic pop spirit to collaborate on the score for this movie with an up-and-coming American composer, Kentucky's own Leo Birenberg, who has contributed to scores for some big movies over the past decade himself, including the past two Muppet movies and Edge of Tomorrow. Together, these two music talents have crafted a fun, anything-goes, techno-infused, full-on comedy score, the likes of which we just really don't hear much anymore, kind of along the lines of some stuff from composer Ira Newborn that he did back in the 80s for comedies like Dragnet or previous episode Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And the score runs the gamut with highlights throughout the movie, including a romantic theme which develops and is showcased during one prominent love scene towards the end of the movie. This lovely track is called Be With. But for me, the true highlight is a 90s-style mid-tempo rocker that we hear during a montage of the Fight Club, really fighting, and getting better at fighting each other. It's mainly guitar-driven and just supremely catchy. The track is called Yes, No, Okay. This brings me to the next category, which would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. This film's cast and crew is just loaded with a lot of relatively fresh talent, so it's hard for me to call any of them underutilized. But one performer, who I have to give a shout-out to, who has definitely grabbed my attention and others with recent projects, is Boston's own Ayo Edibiri, who actually started out as a comedian before taking on more acting roles. She is definitely having a moment right now and has been everywhere this past summer, including prominent voice-supporting roles in two animated hits, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Also a co-starring role on a recent episode of Black Mirror, a fun recent stint on the hit TV comedy Abbott Elementary, which I also love. She plays Janine's kid sister Aisha, and a supporting role in the recent indie comedy Theater Camp, which I've also been hearing great things about, but I still need to see. As if that wasn't enough, the role which I've been most impressed with is probably one of my favorite new shows, which just finished its second season. I'm talking about The Bear on Hulu, which is a fantastic kinetic portrayal of the ins and outs of a Chicago greasy spoon and its journey towards becoming a top flight restaurant. She basically plays the second lead, Sydney, a buttoned up chef savant who can be both endearing and frustrating. That's part of my day, like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, not an omelet. I love taking care of people. Yeah, it is. What was an omelet? Bruce. 
And uh, I put chives and potato chips on top. Yeah? Oh, yeah. What kind of potato chips? Sour cream and onion. Oh, fuck. Yeah, type with the ridges. I bet that was fire. That was fucking delicious. Edda Berry also just received her first Emmy nomination for this role, and it's deserved. I love her on this show and cannot recommend it enough. Check it out. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Roughly two-thirds of the way through the movie, there is an extended sequence at one point where the club of girls launch an attack on the outside of one footballer's house, which perfectly walks that tricky line between unwarranted violence and high school pranks. It's just hysterical, and also aided by a Bonnie Tyler needle drop. Just when I thought she was being overused for such things, no less. Let's just say that this sequence involves eggs, toilet paper, and a car bomb. <laughs> Our heroines are out to send a message, and it's possibly not received the way that they intended. Good scene, though. The final category would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. At the end of the day, this is still the Rachel and Io show. Their strong comedy duo would send it as a nonstop whirling dervish of nervous energy or unfounded confidence perpetually clad in suspenders. Kind of in this Chevy slash Jonah mode. Whereas Io is playing the Groden slash Michael Sarah-like straight person more droll and reactive often even shy under an unruly thatch of afro hair, which she even appears to be hiding under at times. Their comedy styles complement each other perfectly. Both actresses have also been collaborating for years, doing sketch comedy together online and on Comedy Central. And it shows. Now, whether an actual sequel to this movie is warranted, I would still love for these two to join forces on future comedies together. Rachel Sennett and Ayo Edibiri are the co-MVPs. Josie, Isabel knew your name. If we do this, Uh very big if, Uh we just run the risk of becoming even bigger losers than we already are right now. And I hate to break it to you, but we're pretty big losers. And that is the beauty. That is the beauty of this movie. Because we are literally at the bottom. We're the lowest of the low. We have nowhere to go but up. My rating for bottoms would be four stars out of five. Prominent R-rated comedies are just a rare breed nowadays. And next to the hilarious previous episode, Joyride, this is definitely the funniest movie that I've seen this year. And if you're looking to watch Bottoms, it is now playing in theaters. And that ends another bruised and batshit review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.